Welcome back for another great episode of How to Acquire Podcast. I'm so excited that we are having the opportunity to have these really in-depth conversations uh, with different professionals in the mergers and acquisitions and investment world. Uh, If you are just joining us for the first time, we've had a lot of great conversations as we continue each week going through the different avenues of how to acquire, whether it be through business acquisitions, note investing, or learning how to sell your business. All these different steps matter, okay? And on today's episode, we want to actually sit down with someone who will be a key player on your team, especially in the world of business acquisitions. So on today's show, we're going to actually sit down with a business broker who is going to give us a lot of gems on what it takes to work with a business broker, what they're looking for, how they can be valuable in your world. And I want you to be a part of this conversation. So sit back, enjoy the conversation, and I'll talk to you at the end of this episode. back for another great episode of how to acquire podcasts uh for maybe you know one of my favorite quotes is uh the poor teach their children how to sell and the wealthy they teach their children how to acquire and on this episode i want to uh, introduce our audience uh to a, a wonderful person that you should know in the mergers and acquisitions uh, space, Nigel Lyle. She's a business broker, and she's about to give us a lot of game on the world of business acquisitions. Uh, Nigel, welcome to How to Acquire Podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. For those who don't know uh, who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself, your company, and and uh, the work that you're currently doing in space. Okay, sure. So um, my name is Nigel Lyles. I'm currently working as a business broker. Um, I work directly with First Choice Business Brokers, um, which is a nationwide company um, that works in the business acquisition. um, I'm sorry, yes, business acquisition, um, mergers and acquisitions, as well as franchise resales. So I initially started my career back in 2004. Um, I was a business owner. And my husband and I opened um, four daycare centers across uh, New Jersey. I did have a a center here in uh, Houston, Texas as well. And I sold those companies. um, And then it just kind of got me thinking uh, why someone with a um, high level degree would be interested in purchasing my startups. Like, what am I missing something? You know, um, initially I thought, you know, nobody would want my company. It's not really that. It's not really that great. And as soon as we put our companies on the market, um, we got offers right away. Each time I put a company on the market, I got offers within about two weeks. So, wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you actually got into this space on the other side of things. That's correct. Build up a company. Yeah, you built up this this company. It was profitable. People wanted access to your company, so they bought it from you. So that began to pique your interest of wait, what's going on in this world of acquisitions. Is that what happened? That's what happened. That's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. 
so you, you hear about this world of acquisitions. What do you do next? What is the next move that you make? So the next move I started making was uh, learning. So I studied finance and accounting and the tax law and just trying to dive really into it to understand the entire process. You know, how are the loans processed? What do you need? Um, things of that nature. So that was the first thing I did was to learn the behind the scenes stuff. So during this learning process, what is the biggest thing that stood out to you uh, that many of maybe the average person may not know about the acquisition space? I would say the biggest thing that I've learned was the tax planning and the financial planning. So if you're planning to sell your business, you know, most people are looking for um, tax cuts and things of that nature. So really the tax portion of it was the biggest chunk that I needed to learn. Um, just about the depreciations and how all of that stuff worked, how a company was actually valued is, this, uh, is, is what I learned the most, yeah. So now we've stumbled on a topic that we really need to discuss. Yeah. Why should businesses understand their valuation? Why is that so important now that you've gone through that process, you've learned it, you've worked with all these different companies? Why is valuation so important? The valuation is important, just like any other, just like any other asset that you um, that you earn well own, and you need to know its value. So, for example, if I own a house and I initially paid a hundred thousand dollars for it, and I don't know that it's worth four hundred thousand now, you have to understand the value of your company for retirement planning, family planning. If you plan to will your business to your children, how much are they getting? Do, do you even know? Um, and so that that is the most important part for tax planning and retirement, um, even uh, acquisitions of other companies. You know, when you're uh, when your company is acquiring another company, do you have the assets to support it? Um, do you have the cash available? Can you pull out cash? Can you sell stocks in your company? Um, can you take on business partners and things of that nature? So there's a whole different um there's a there's a whole different understand once you understand the value of your company you know exactly what you're what you're working with okay so tell me a little bit about that process i have a company i reach out to you i uh, get a valuation how long are we looking at as far as how long it takes for evaluation what type of information do i have to provide you or disclose for evaluation um what type of things should i have prepared in order to be ready to be evaluated? So the biggest piece to understanding the value of your company is obviously the financials. Um, so you want to ensure that you have your tax returns filed um, and you wanna make sure that you're taking the right depreciations and the right amortizations um, in your tax returns. Because if you're planning to sell your company in let's say three years, and you've shown losses, it's not going to have much of a value. You know, you need to be able to, um, you need to be able to show that you're making a profit. So that that's the biggest portion. So you would need your, your tax returns, um, your profit and loss statements, your balance sheets, and um, some companies, de depending on the value of your business, they might ask for your um, bank statements. So you want to make sure all of that stuff is in order but now, mostly the profit and loss statements. From your experience, do, do most people have these things in order? Or when you bump into them, 
you're realizing, oh, shoot, are they realizing I don't have all these things together? What are you finding when you're bumping into these business owners? I'm finding um, if companies that are valued over a half a million usually have all of their financials um, ready to go. Um, but if your company is valued at, at let's say, I don't know, 300000 or it's just kind of like a mom and pop situation, um, they typically don't have their financials in order. Not that it cannot be put into in order, um, but typically they don't have them ready. So let's talk about that. For the companies who do, who do not have their financials in order, who know they need to get a valuation, especially if they're talking about selling their company. Of course, we're going to talk about that more in today's episode about selling the company and getting prepared to sell the company or even buying a company. Uh, for, for the companies who do not have things in order, what do you suggest to them uh, what they should be doing before they're evaluated? How do you get your company in order? So you, you would get your company in order by having the, the last three years of tax returns. That's the most important. Um, so your tax returns are filed. Um, you've claimed everything correctly. Um, and also your bank statements, depending on how you take an income from your business actually determines. So the, the cleaner your financials, the more, com the more your business is actually worth. So having clean financials is what we call a, a multiplier. Um, so it's sellable when you have clean financials. So your bank statements, making sure that if you are paying yourself out of your business, you're keeping track of everything that you're spending, basically. So your tax returns, your profit and loss statements, your balance sheets, and your bank statements. So I'm a company. I, I finally get my financials in order, or maybe I have them in order already. You and I speak. You uh, perform a business evaluation for the company. Uh, you, you let me know what the business, uh, what the, the evaluation of the company is. What are the next steps as far as working with a client? Uh, am I immediately going to start thinking about selling the company or am I just getting this information just to have it? What is going on with those conversations? It's totally up to the seller. So if you get an evaluation on your business and they say, okay, you can have a, a four times multiplier. And let's just say that four times multiplier is a half a million dollars for you. And you want to cash out and take your half a million and go fine. Or if you want to improve over the next year or the next two years and say, okay, I'm going to try to get my multiplier up to 700,000. It's all about planning really. And once you have um, a market price analysis of your business, then that'll be able to help you better determine the things that you need to improve upon in your business to increase that. Now, what particular industries do you work in uh, as far as the types of companies that you're, you're dealing with? So we work with um, industries across the board. There's no, I work with all, all sorts of industries. Um, we have a collection agency, um, mobile tutoring, automotive shops, beauty shops, daycare centers. We work with everything. I think that's always the most surprising thing when we're talking about business is they think it has to be this big corporation and only those corporations are acquired or are going through the selling process, but really it's any type of business in any type of industry that could be on the market at any time. 
Yes, that's correct. Any business, as long as you know you have your corporation, uh, you filed a corporation, or even sole proprietors, they can sell too. Um, anything really is sellable, as long as you've made some income from it. Okay, so a company reaches out to you, and they're put, they're thinking about selling the business. You provided an uh, evaluation for them. They are looking to maybe increase their multiple or make their company more valuable. Walk me through that process of what's next. Uh, we just finished the evaluation. Uh, you, you explained to me that you worked with all different types of industries. And what do I do next when, it's, when I've decided that I want to sell the business? So the next step after you do your market price analysis, um, and we've came up with a sales price that you know everybody's comfortable with, then we just go ahead and list it. The thing um, that I need people to understand is that the buyers are there. There's always a buyer. There's always somebody interested in purchasing your business. We have more buyers than we have sellers. Okay, wait, we just stumbled across something here. Yeah. The buyers are always there. You just dropped a gem on us. When you say the buyers are always there, what do you mean by that? For those who have never sold their business before and do, do not understand this uh, world, how are the buyers always there? So there's a lot of investors, private equity groups that are looking to purchase smaller companies. They just make it a part of their portfolio. So, um, it's kind of similar to crowdfunding with real estate. You know how, you know, people get together and they say, okay, we have a million dollars. What are we going to buy? There's private equity groups that are, you know, scooping up some of the smaller companies to have them a part of their portfolio. Um, but not only that, there's investors who have multiple businesses and they're, they're looking to purchase. Um, right now I'm working with a guy who's looking for, he's looking to add $50,000 a year um, to his portfolio through business. So, I, you know, I, I just have to look for something that has at least that, that is absentee owner. So there's always someone looking for what you have, really. So let's, let's jump on the other side for a second, and then we'll come back. So there are people out here who are looking to basically buy income. Yes, that's exactly right. Yes. Can you, can you explain that concept? Because I, I know I just said it. And I know some people may hear it, but what does that mean? Someone is literally right now waiting and looking and scouting the entire market to find how they can buy income into their portfolio. Right. So it's similar to, I guess, if, when you're purchasing stock, right? So you're saying, okay, I'm going to spend $100,000 and I, wanna, I, I need to be able to make $50,000 for the next eight to 10 years. They've already made their money back in the first two years. So that's how they, they're purchasing their income. I, when I first heard about this concept, I said, well, this is a no brainer. If I want to really make money in the world, I'll just acquire an asset that's giving me that exact amount that I'm looking for. Exactly. Why, why aren't more people talking about that? Why is because that like a hidden conversation? Know. Yeah, yeah, they don't know that it exists. And then the thing about it is when they're when they say, you know, they have a hundred thousand dollars, most of the time it's not their money, you know. <laughs> they're using right. the bank's money to purchase their income. I so. love the concept. I love the concept. So let's go back to the seller real quick. 
So mm -hmm. there are going to be buyers available. You're going to make sure that uh, they get the proper evaluation. They've decided to sell the business. What should a seller start anticipating during the process of selling the company? So the most important thing for the seller is to keep everything in place or make it even better. Okay. So sometimes we have sellers that they, they put their business on the market and they, they start closing on the weekend or they start, you know, running the business down and not taking care of it, taking care of it as they would um, if they were running it. So the most important thing is to keep everything as it is um, and to not disclose to your customers or your employees that you're selling. You never want to disclose that. Um, because then your customers might start to say, oh, she's, she's leaving and it's not going to be the same. And it just creates, um, anxiety. So you want to keep that under wraps that you're selling. Um, and so you would just, you would just have to be prepared for your initial interview. So after it goes on the market, it's listed, we're going to bring the buyer to you. Um, and then you would just meet the buyer and then they go into their due diligence period. Now, I know earlier we mentioned someone's out there looking for $50,000 of income. Someone else is out there looking for $250,000 of income. So I think the million dollar or multi-million dollar question is, why would anyone sell their business? If it's bringing in all this income and it's bringing it into their portfolio, why would they sell it to someone else's portfolio? What are some of the Be reasons for that? So, so there's multiple reasons why people would sell their business. Um, if you're looking to the the most um, what's the word the uh, the main reason why people sell their business is small business burnout. So they an entrepreneur could just want to do something different. Entrepreneurs are always looking for the next thing because that's just how we're built. We're always looking for something to challenge us in the next the next thing. So for example, let's say if you have a hair business. And you're just not into doing hair anymore. You just, you feel like you've outgrown it. So that's one of the reasons why people sell. A person might sell because they're ready to retire. And that's my favorite reason to see someone sell their business. So they're 60, they're 70 years old, and they're just, they're out of the business right now. They, they just want to enjoy the rest of their life. Um, death, sometimes people die and they're selling their business. Um, and they've willed the business to their children. And the children don't want to be a part of it. So let's say if a, if a man owns a automotive shop and he wills the business to his daughter, she's just not interested. She sells, you know, so there's multiple reasons why someone would sell their business. Um, and then also we see entrepreneurs sell their business because they're entering into a completely different industry and they need the cash. So if if your business is valued at a half a million dollars, there's a lot of things you can do with a half a million dollars. You could start another company. You're just taking your money and kind of spreading it out and increasing it. So wait, so now we stumbled across another really great concept. So people are selling their business, taking the profits from that business and then acquiring other businesses to bring in other uh, revenues, maybe a different industry or a different area uh, that they have an interest in. Right. So for example, let's say if there's a small business um, that is selling, but they want to get into the franchise industry, they want to purchase a franchise and maybe the franchise is asking for a hundred thousand up front. So they would sell their company and then purchase the franchise. Just like if you're selling your, 
you have a smaller starter home and you're selling it for a bigger home. It's, it's the same concept. I love this. When I... heard about these concepts I said this is a world that I want to be in and yeah. once I started talking to people and uh, communicating about this I said we got to teach people how to acquire because especially and not to get too biased here but especially in our community yes. a lot of people do not know that they can acquire businesses which if they're doing it the right way they're really what they're really doing is acquiring income yes. they're acquiring uh, a steady flow of income. And I first learned about this. I used to work at the bank and I was working in the mortgage department and there would be all these different people who were about to lose their home. And I had to review their files. I would look through their files and some of them were business owners and they would have four or five different businesses that were bringing in so much income. I said, wait a second, you got a lot of income coming in. Why aren't you paying for you know, the, the, the house or the location? Oh, no worries. This is my fourth or fifth home. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. And and I said, wait a second. Y'all are really living. I mean, although this one particular home is in foreclosure, you really live in the American dream. You have four or five different companies in your portfolio. You got three or four different homes. And this is really just a vacation spot. Once it once I opened my mind, I realized we really have to teach our people how to acquire. And yeah. you said earlier in this episode. Most people just don't know about this world. Why do you think that is? I think because business brokerage and buying and selling businesses is, I don't want to say it's the underground industry, but you would never see a business for sale because confidentiality is the, is of utmost importance. So you're not going to, you're, you'll never see a business for sale um, unless, you know, you're searching online or, you know, something of that nature, but you're never going to drive by and see that this business is for sale. So that's why, because it's not, it's not widely advertised. Because people don't want you to know that their business is for sale. But when you think about it, once I sold my business, I started to think about all of the local stores in my community and how you just start seeing someone different. You know what I mean? Like, and you're like, well, where'd that person go? It's because they sold the company, you right. know? So companies have been operating for 20 40 years and they've probably changed hands maybe four or five times and the community would never realize it. Um, I'm glad that we're on this topic because um, it is part of our community. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to, you know, say that outside of our community, but that's what it is. A lot of us don't know. We'll use Chinese stores, for example, the little corner store, Chinese stores, they switch owners a lot and we don't even yes. realize it because you'll never see a for sale sign. You just start to see new faces in the store and that's how it goes. So if I'm entering into this space and I'm actually looking to acquire a company, I would think one of the people that I would really want to know in this space is a business broker, right? Mm -hmm. How does that process start of actually getting to know you, uh, working with you? collaborating with you? How does one even approach you to, to, to start developing that relationship? 
So you would just reach out to me or a business broker that you want to work with, reach out and, and let us know what it is that you're looking for so we can find it for you. Um, a lot of times the businesses aren't for sale. It is basically a negotiation. So I'm just going to use this as an example. If I know I want to be in the, in the shoe space, right? And there's a shoe store for sale. I'll call my broker and say, I, I need a shoe store. I want a shoe store and I will find a shoe store that's for sale for you. And then we'll negotiate the price. Um, but before we do that, we talk about the, the financing or the funding of this business. What, what, what do you look like on paper, you know, from, from the banks? Um, so we go through that process. A lot of people don't know that you can buy a business for 10% of its sell price. It doesn't have to be the full half a million dollars. Wait and that's a second. Say that one more time for just in case somebody <laughs> missed it. They weren't paying attention. They looked up. They was washing dishes while you're listening to the podcast. Say that one more time. 10%. So you, you can purchase a business for 10% of the sale price. Just like when you're buying a home or you're buying a car, you would um, get or find the business or the house or the card that you want to buy, and then you make a down payment on it. You're not paying the full sales price amount. And that's what I think a lot of people don't know. And that's how they're able to spread their income out and have five or six businesses because they've only spent 10% of the total sales price. Now, I know that you're one of the best brokers in this space, but let me know, what should I be looking for uh, just in case someone's not able to reach you, they're not able to contact you, what should I be looking for in choosing the right broker? What are some of the, the things I should be looking for? I think they should look for someone who's not a salesperson. I'm not a salesperson. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm trying to inform you so that you can make the best informed decision for you and your family. So I'm not, I'm not a salesperson. That, I think, is the number one thing. I'm not trying to sell you anything. Obviously, I'd like to make the deal go through but I'm more concerned with the long-term relationships because let's say if you purchase a business, if I, you know, assist you in purchasing a business and the deal goes through nine times out of 10, we're going to close 10 plus deals, you know? So it's really right. all about the relationships. If something is not going to work for you, it's not going to work. Um, so that that's the most important part is really just educating the buyer and the seller. Now, I'm located in Charlotte, North Carolina. What markets do you currently serve? If I wanted to reach out to you and look at uh, acquiring businesses, should I only be contacting you about specific cities or how does that work? So I work nationwide with the exception okay. of California and Georgia. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you're available um, in 48 states. Yes, but we do have brokers in, um, in those states that are licensed in those states, but California and Georgia are um, excluded from, from our list. Okay. So if, if I'm listening to this uh, podcast episode and I'm in any of the other states, uh, I can reach out to you and start having those conversations about what I'm looking for, what I'm looking to acquire, or, hey, I may be looking to sell my business. Uh, you know, Tell me what I, I need to do moving forward. Absolutely, yeah. I'll be able to assist. Uh, one thing I would like for the for the um, viewers to know is that if you have a business and you have accepted a PPP loan, you can still sell your business. Not only can you still sell your business, if you acquire another business, they're deferring the payments for six months. 
So basically you, you're getting six months of free payments from the government that the government is making for you. Thank you. Now, how long, how long are these PP loans going to be available? Do you know? Um, I believe they have a certain amount of money that's designated towards the um, acquisition of companies. Um, okay. So yes, whenever, I guess, whenever the funds run out, um, but okay. yeah, you can have six months of free payments. Okay. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to talk about this real quick because we're really getting into, uh, to me, a really great generational wealth conversation. Yes. Uh, you talked about this being kind of like a hidden world uh, in a way where things are happening behind the scenes. If you're not really paying attention to it, you'll kind of miss it. It happens real quick, right in front of your eyes. Mm -hmm. um, so with some of these business deals that you are working on behind the scenes, what are some of the things that are surprising you on a daily basis, uh, whether it be a specific industry that is really hot right now, whether it be the size of the deals that are, are currently happening or the, the types of uh, uh, options that are available during a business deal? What are some of the things that are standing out to you over the last 12 months uh, that you can speak to? Um, I would say in terms of hot businesses or businesses that are um, pandemic proof, um, mm. mailbox stores and postal stores are, they're not even hitting the market at this point. People are buying them like right, they're, they're not even, even going about on that. the market. <laughs> yeah, they're not even going on the market and they're getting three and four times their multiple without even producing really um, any profits, any any net profits because people want them. They're not even hitting the market. Um, so explain that phenomenon. Why are mailbox stores right now why would you say that they're hot right now? Because we've moved towards sh shipping a lot of stuff and they're working directly with Amazon for, um, you know, being able to take the packages in. Um, a lot of people aren't using their home address as their mailing address. They have mailboxes. And when you have a mailbox at a different location, oh gosh, this, that's a, sorry, that's, so the mailbox stores are getting three and four times their multiples because they're working directly with Amazon to um, accept return packages. And if someone is um, has a mailbox at a particular location for their mailing address, that's a long-term relationship, right? Because if you're putting, you know, that as your primary um, mailing address, you're you're going to be there for years. And that's where we're moving with the whole COVID. Um, is, a, is a lot of shipping and logistics, so. I love that. So let me write that one down. I didn't think about that. Uh, so for shipping and logistics, I need to pay attention to that. Is there anything else that stands out to you that I should pay attention to? I think, um, well, here in Houston, Texas, we have a lot of road construction. So the companies that are doing the heavy machinery rentals are killing it with the government contracts to pave the roads and things of that nature. So there's always a company that actually owns those machines. It's not usually the construction company. Mm, nice so those are, really, yeah, those are really hot right now. And their numbers are astounding. You know, okay. they have like this, this little uh, yard full of um, heavy machinery and their numbers are, are really good. Sometimes they do 2 million in profits and it's a tiny little company that you don't know about. Oh, also, Service industries are really hot right now. 
a lot of people over the past few years have not gotten into that space, um, HVAC and roofing and things of that nature. So those companies are calling the shots right now. Okay, so there's a couple of things I want to address before we head out. And then I also want people to know how they can contact you, how they can reach out to you, how they can work with you. Before we do that, there's two people I want to make sure we answer some questions for. I sure. want to answer a question for a business owner who doesn't realize that they can actually own multiple businesses. Because mm -hmm. uh, I've seen this a lot where you have a business owner who's doing all the work and I mean, their, their company's doing good, but it all relies on them. Um, just so as a wake up call, you could remove yourself out of that business and go acquire other businesses uh, with the help of your services. Talk about that just a little bit. Uh, yes. For those who don't even realize that, hey, I can own multiple. I can, I can, I can own more than one. Yes, I'm glad um, we're discussing this. So, owner absentee businesses can get an additional two times multiple just because they're absent. Um, you'd never. I don't want to say you never, but being the face of your company is never a good idea because it's not really sellable, right? So you want to start putting management in place so that you're not always you know, the customers are not always looking for you. And that was one of my issues with my um, daycare center is my customers always looked for me when they were picking up their kids. It's like, where is she? Where is she? She's not here today, you know? Um, so I started to get my management and stuff in place right before I sold my companies. And I kind of backed off a little bit because you have to be able to delegate, right? If you want to have multiple companies, you have to be able to delegate. You have to be able to find somebody that you trust you have to groom them um, so that they can run run your businesses because freedom is is the uh, is the goal, right? Yes, it is. I, I wanted to make sure we at least talked on, on that for a second because I've seen a lot of business owners are like, yeah, I'll get to that later or I got to work on this. I got to work on this. And I always say, hey, let's pull you out of the business because yes. the business is doing great, but it's relying so much on you. Let's pull you out. Let's acquire some additional businesses to your portfolio. And now you're looking at three, four, five different businesses in your portfolio. And you don't have to stop there. You can go as many as you want if you have the right systems in place. So I'm glad That's you correct. said that. Yeah. And that kind of ties back into what we were saying before um, about investors looking to purchase income, right? So they want their passive income. They want an absentee owner business. As soon as an absentee owner business hits the market, it's not going to stay on there for longer than two weeks because that, that's what they're looking for. Okay. And so there's a second, there's a second uh, person that I want to have a conversation for real quick. It's someone who has never acquired before. And so, of course, they've been listening to this episode. And so we've kind of been touching on uh, that aspect. I want them to know, hey, you could acquire a business, like we were mm -hmm. saying before, you could acquire income, really. Uh, this is a possibility. Uh, I know you went through that step of uh, selling your business. What is it like working with someone who's acquiring a business for the first time and kind of seeing how their eyes start opening up to the possibilities uh, of this world? So I, <clears throat> I'm actually working with the first time uh, buyer right now. Um, the biggest thing is just to understand what you can really afford, depending on if you're buying a franchise or you're buying a, a, an, an existing business um, without a franchise. 
Um, but if you are working with a franchise, you would need to know your net worth. And that is, I think, the biggest um, issue amongst our community. We don't understand our net worth. Um, and also your net worth can be updated with check systems. So you would just call check systems, get um, a report of your net worth and update it. So if you have a car sitting in your um, driveway that's worth this amount, or you have jewelry that's worth this amount, or you have a business that is valued at this amount of this amount of dollar, you would need to update your net worth amount because that is what the banks look at, and your credit in addition to your credit score, but your net worth. And you said um, the name of the, the company is Check Systems. Yes, Check Systems, the same system that that you use for for banks to see if you owe a bank is the same system you use to see what your net worth is, and Thank you update you it just like your credit report. Yeah. Thank you for that gem. You've given us a lot of gems today. Uh, last few questions here, because I know you're, you're a busy woman. Uh, I know you had a client who called in during even this show, so I don't yeah. want to hold you. Uh, last few questions here. Uh, what advice do you give to someone uh, who um, is about to sell their business and they may be hesitant on selling it? Um, they they want to sell it so then maybe they can get into another industry or see what other options are out there what type of advice would you give to someone in that particular mindset right now well selling a business is a very emotional process i've been through the process myself and i i totally understand so i'll tell you a quick story when i first when i sold my first company i was like oh yeah this is great i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that i did my transitional period with with the new owners. And on my last day, I locked myself in the in the bathroom and I cried for like an hour. And they were trying to, they were like, well, what's wrong? It's nothing wrong. I'm I'm giving you my 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 child. I've, you know, I've, I've birthed this thing, blood, sweat, and tears for the past seven years, and I'm I'm giving it to you. So it's it's a very emotional process. And I and I understand, um, especially when there's like a death or something involved or a divorce or, you know, split in partnership or things of that nature, it can be a very emotional process. It's like giving somebody your baby, you know? So yeah, did on, that answer your question? Yes, it did. What was on the other side of that though? So it was emotional before you went through those doors of selling it. Once you got on the other side and actually sold it, what was that emotion like? So um, when I first sold my, when I sold my first company, I was obviously, um, I had the freedom to be able to, basically I was semi-retired and then I started another company and then sold it and then waited and then did another company and sold it. So really it just purchased me the freedom to be able to um, be semi-retired. Wait a second. We just stumbled on something. Hold on. By selling your first business, you immediately created freedom. Yes. You immediately created being, you say semi-retired, I think you was retired. You was basically retired. Uh, explain to people how that freedom was. I want them to understand if they've already built these businesses up, what did freedom feel like once you've actually tasted it? It was sweet. <laughs> it was sweet. And you know, um, I, I always tell people I'll never go back to being chained to anything. If I don't feel happy doing it, I'm not going to do it because I've got you know, that taste of freedom, not having something to, not having to 
wake up to do something and not having to um, be someplace at a particular time every single day. There's there's definitely um, some happiness in that. And um, I was able to focus more on my children and just kind of doing what they what they needed and um, things of that nature. So it was it was great. It was great. It's still great. <laughs> I, I love your story. I love the work that you're doing. Uh, I'm glad that you are part of uh, this conversation that we're having here on how to acquire. Uh, how do people reach out to you and collaborate with you? Uh, maybe uh, let, uh, you know, kind of. Uh, set up a time to get their business evaluated, or if they're looking to sell, if they're looking to buy, what are the proper channels to collaborate with you? So um, email is always best. I can be reached at um, Nija at fcbb.com. So that's N-A-I-J-A-H at fcbb.com. Um, and um, I can also be reached on Instagram, Nija underscore um, the business broker, as well as on Facebook, Nija underscore the business broker. Um, or you can just reach out to me if you want to just give me a call as well. Last thing before we head out, I checked out the Instagram. You're putting a lot of great content out there. So there's this uh, video that you posted uh, about 50 Cent and Vibe and Water yeah. uh, and him having a percentage of the business. If you could just tell a little bit about that story and why it's so important to have equity in some of these companies. So 50 Cent actually believed in a concept and he went after it. Just like, um, you know, we talked about when you reach out to your business broker and you say, I want to sell water. You reach out to your business broker and say you want to mm -hmm. sell shoes and they'll find a shoe company that you can either somehow be part ownership or purchase it outright. And again, just because you're purchasing a company, um, you're not using the full, you're not getting the full sales price from your lender. You're using 10% of the financed amount for whatever amount that you're getting from the bank. Uh, we can also talk about seller financing at, at a later date as well, because that, that's always an option too. Um, but yes, that 50 cent deal was definitely uh, a game changer for him. He gets 10% environment water. They go on to sell for, I think it was like $6 billion. And so yeah. he gets a, a percentage of that at the, at the time of the sale. It's so important to acquire, even if you're not, you know, hundred percent owner, even if you're just part owner of a company, it's so important to acquire. And that's why it's important uh, to know uh, someone like you who knows about these different deals uh, that are being presented uh, on the yes. table. Yeah. Yeah. I thank you for coming on How to Acquire Podcast. Uh, it's been an honor to have this conversation. And yes, the doors are open. If you want to come back and talk about seller financing in the future, let's have that conversation soon. Okay, great. It was great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Wow, what a great episode. Thank you, Nigel, for stopping through How to Acquire Podcast and giving us so much game. Uh, deeper insight into being a business broker, what it takes to sell your business, and just some of the details that go through the acquisition process. If you are interested in working with Nigel, just go ahead and click the link that's in the show notes, or you can send us a message at howtoacquire at gmail.com. We are really excited about this conversation, but it doesn't end here. It does not end here. Make sure you follow us over on Clubhouse uh, at How to Acquire. 
for more conversations like these. We're going to keep digging in. And a lot of the guests that we've had on so far, we're going to have them back for more deeper conversations here on How to Acquire. Our mission is to get at least a thousand people to learn how to acquire, right? So you want to share this with everyone in your network. You want to share this information with everyone that you come across that you think or know could benefit from this. Okay, Go ahead and subscribe to this episode wherever you're listening on and share this episode to everyone within your network. Okay, As I always say, the poor teach their children how to buy, the rich teach their children how to sell, and the wealthy, they teach their children how to acquire.